Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone by George Glover from the Climax Blues Band. Hello, George. Are you well? I'm pretty well. Good afternoon to you. Uh, um, yes, all, all good. Rather busy. I mean, you, you've just released a new album, the first album in quite a long time, and you're, you're out gigging all over the place, so I can imagine that you are very busy. Yeah, that's right. And, um, I mean, it all goes uh, hand in glove anyway, albums and touring and dates and blah, 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 what goes with it. I mean, from, for us, our point of view, really, the, the, the most important thing is the, is the album's has been somewhat of a surprise reaction off everybody and it's doing really well so no complaints there at all <laughs> no and it contains 13 new songs so are these all songs written especially for this album or was some waiting on the the back burner well no not at all they were, were particularly written with this, this album in mind and we've still got a, a couple that we didn't actually include so it's all all very healthy um and for the next well hopefully the next album if we've got any money left <laughs> <laughs> we all know how expensive everything's going today um yeah really really pleased about it i played tracks from it and they've got more lined up wow good 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 that's great a bit of a classic on there ain't that the kick in the head isn't that life sometimes a bit like that isn't it really? <laughs> yes <laughs> um, that, uh, come on. But do, do, do the research on this one i, I noticed that you're from stoke I've got to find out whether you still have your oatcakes. I certainly do, yes, I do. I, I occasionally yeah, I enjoy them, yes. In fact, uh, I've just been to, uh, he's done four shows in, over in Switzerland, well, three Switzerland, one in Austria. And um, a special request to take a couple of dozen over with me <laughs> from people that have visited you. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm touting for the potters. Yay, <laughs> Oatcakes. Because, I mean, we're just down the road in crew, so we're not too far away from you. No, no. The the album, like I say, that's going well, and you're out on tour, you, you're gigging and stuff. Now, I saw the Climax Blues Band at the Colne Blues Festival. It was one of the first ones. It must have been about 90 or 91 or something like that. But I've been trying to right. find out what year it was that you appeared. Do you happen to know? Do you know? I don't, because... Um I would. I've got a sneaky feeling that the very first time was um, on uh, would be about the Drastic Steps album time, at which we sort of took a little diversion. The band lineup was slightly changed, and uh, the album that came out, Drastic Steps, received great, you know, radio stuff. And about, I remember halfway through the set, Colin, the uh, God bless his soul, the, the sax player, he, he turned around and said to me. Well, the bedtime we did the blues, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and and that's always sticks in my head. That does. And well, we didn't get back there till about three years later, so something mustn't have gone right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been back there many times since. You know, there. I mean, you're not one of the original members of the band, but you've been with them for over thirty years now. Eighty-one, you joined, didn't you? Eighty-one, he was. Yeah, that's right. I did the Flying the Flag tour, which was a very successful album. In fact, I went straight into the deep end, and we did all the sort of Far East and and American and a bit of everything really. And uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, it's a sad, really, that all that came to an end. And but that's what the business does to people, you know. Yeah. I mean. Uh, 
so, dangling carrots here, there, and everywhere, and all that sort of stuff. You know. So the first album that you officially appeared on was Sample and Hold in '83. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. That uh, was recorded at Jimmy Page's studio. That was right. The Soul as well. Beautiful place to be in. In fact, it it, it felt sort of unreal. You know, that it was a little river floating under the studio and. And then in every way you went, there was all these gothic sort of uh, things which uh, Mr. Page had collected over the years and were in picture frames and what have you. And they're quite kind of eerie and spooky. To... <laughs> Did that have yeah. any influence on the session? Did it influence any of the songs? No, we got that worked out and planned what you were doing. There were, there were some strange things, I mean, because... I thought about it, uh, sort of wandering around. You could go in like a little open a secret door or something, and then there there'd be find outtakes of a lot of Led Zeppelin stuff, you know, yeah. uh, outtakes of um, you know. I can't think of a particular track. There's Stairway to Heaven or something, or a lot of love. There's loads of outtakes of a whole lot of love. I thought, wow, this is fantastic. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, fun, you know, being in there. But uh, yes, it was it was good. Another album, a live album that came out, uh, Security Alert. That was mixed by Roy Wood, maintaining the the Midlands connection. That's right, yeah, yeah. We're still very big friends with Roy Wood. In fact, our rhythm section, all we do is Christmas shows. Oh, right, I must have um, seen them last yeah. last Christmas then. I saw them. But you probably, yeah, that, they would be on the show, yeah. So we, we, we're like a little family, really. Roy, Roy is, is an absolute super person. Lovely to... You know, a lot of people think, oh, he looks a bit strange and whatever, but he's absolutely fabulous. He is a really, really nice, you know, really nice guy, really genuine down to earth. Yeah. And he survived the business. Yes. <laughs> With a smile mm. on his face. Well, at Christmas time, I'd imagine, yes. Really much. <laughs> 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 yeah. going, going back to the Clarence Blues Band, they originally yeah, had yeah, yeah. Chicago in the name, and... I've read that they had to drop the Chicago bit because of the other band called Chicago. Uh, it was, yes, yeah, similar to that, similar sort of thing, really. And because uh, the reason they had the Chicago in, because they were playing Chicago style of blues, you know. The, yeah. It's a certain way of doing it, a certain shuffle, shuffle the way that they play the rhythmic things. That was probably... Uh, one of the reasons to some extent but then of course the band Chicago never really got to the bottom of how that came about really they were, I think it was one of these things when a record company advises you to I think it's a good idea you know yeah. we should uh, you know change the name and shorten it to Climax Blues Band when you joined the band were you a fan of them beforehand or did someone just appear oh, to God, yeah. the blue? yeah no 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 we'd um uh, definitely a fan I've always had the you know quite a few of the early albums and um, and it's kind of small world really because I used to work with another local Stokey guy a guy called Des Parton who had a hit with Isn't She Lovely a cover version of a Stevie Wonder tune mm -hmm. and we'd got this band going don't laugh when I say this band called Cyril Dagworth Players they were and we were all individual writers who, who wrote as a team to um, for different things and then that's how I got in with the climax. We we actually did about half a dozen shows supporting them because Miles Copeland wanted wanted as the band, and he he, he changed the name to to the Voice. We were going to be the Squeeze before Squeeze because Miles was always full of ideas. Miles yeah. Copeland, and that's how I got in with the climax. And then um, 
I'm trying to think who was the keyboard player. Wasn't Richard? Richard left a while ago. It would be the guy from London. He couldn't do the tour or something, and I was asked if I could do it, do some shows. And I feel so sometimes I'm yeah, still learning. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean by that? (laughs) I I noticed in uh, the blurb that I love you. The song still gets over twenty thousand radio hits a year in the US. I mean, when you hear figures like that. It, it just sort of blows your mind really doesn't it it's the favourite um, apparently according to all the, the stats and everything most requested song at weddings and also uh, christenings the, right. one of the songs is, you know when they christen yeah it's a, it was an oddball uh, song really for Climax Blues Band to come out with um, but that's how it was you know and it's a shame really that to, to some extent it tended to uh, create the wrong sort of thing and, and it maybe to some extent went towards the band sort of parting of the ways that happens in this business anyway well so. yeah yeah you were saying how when you appeared at Colm uh, you d- decided mid-set that you needed to play a bit more blues do you get flack <laughs> from the purest blues community occasionally yes it, it, we call them the, the anorak lot and uh and yes, yeah, so, uh, what it is, I mean, Climax have always had this problem. They've never been a band that's kept it a three-chord thing. It's never been three chords and a turn, you know, turn around like a standard blues thing. They would always have a key change, Climax have always sort of, even go back to the very early days, or play something completely a little bit towards leaning maybe a jazz R&B sort of thing in there. Mm. And, uh, and sometimes it gets, well, it always has done, really. It's got frowned on a little bit, you know. Uh, people like sort of you know like the for what it is the three chord blues and really blues isn't about that blues is about a style and a feel it doesn't mean you you know i woke up this morning you know, oh god and god 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 you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got hangover it's, it really isn't the blues is a feel of the thing joe bonamassa is a prime example of that how he yeah. how he brought it all to the to to the what can I say to the middle class radio well, you know uh, to Radio 2 listeners and all that it's uh, fantastic that he did that I have said on many occasions and I will repeat it undoubtedly the blues is much more than I woke up this morning and my dog was dead yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes totally agree sir totally <laughs> agree on that one <laughs> it is so, to feel I mean it, it's a rhythm as well the rhythm on, on shuffles are fantastic I still love it I absolutely thoroughly enjoy pl- playing you know a couple of shuffles as we call them or, or a nice easy back laid back blues and that's going to be things you space you know to go somewhere with it if you want to be a bit inventive or you know upset because so, the dog has just left you or something <laughs> or <laughs> so, you know well, when you started out when you were first learning the keyboards and all that kind of stuff what was your foundation what was your who were your influences Oh, that, that's pretty sim- uh, simple really I was because I was a guitar player originally so I was a huge fan uh, of the shadows Right, and then along I heard I heard a few uh, nice vocal sounds of a band called the Beatles, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my God, this this is fantastic here. And then I realised that a lot of their influences were American, and that once they got, you know, they were they were listening to stuff that we couldn't get access to. And of course, that then I, I had bought for a present for me by my father, which I was very surprised at. The first Rolling Stones album, all their stuff were blues covers, more or less, you know, other than the odd one or two and I thought wow where are they getting all this from and once I heard it I was totally hooked yeah 
I still want to class that as one of my favourite albums, the, the very first Stones one. And uh, it was the days then that people were using keyboards, and uh, I was the worst guitar player. So they said, okay, let's get a, a keyboard in. And those days, none of this fancy stuff. It was um, it was a Vox Continental or a Hammond organ. Yeah, the Vox Continental was a, a third of the price of a Hammond organ. So at first, it was like uh, Alan Price used with the animals of Vox Continental. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, and I got into it and I loved it and then I started to listen to people like Jimmy Smith and I was hooked I was going hooked absolutely that's that style. I thought it was just flashed across my mind as it quite often does you're playing the bigger venues now but the the potteries and this area as well used to have a, a vibrant music scene back in the 60s 70s up to the early 80s and a lot of those venues have gone now yeah yeah so do you mourn those days where you could just pop down the pub and see a, a top-class band performing? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, not off. Not off. I'm just trying to think. You, you see, you, the crew area is in climax probably in the late 80s up until early 90s. There used to be a big gig then. And what would that be called? Well, we used to have a place bank. called the Limelight. Limelight, yeah. We used to do that quite regularly. And that was a great atmosphere. Yeah. And you, we'd sell it out as well. And the people were in there you know we were in for a really good time some great gigs there yeah really good and that of course went and it stoked the same Victoria Hall in the old days was extremely good mm. and that sort of went and then then we had a great spell for a while with the wheat sheep in Stoke yeah Bingley. which was a great venue you know all Bing sorts of stuff Bingley Hall at Stafford yeah of course yeah yeah that's right I thought that was tended to be a little bit for the you know the sort of a uh, little big band sort of thing but uh, yes I think it's really sad and for the kids today um, to learn an apprenticeship I mean that's how I look at it I think because everything now is obviously different and manufactured it must be really really hard yeah to, to be able to find somewhere to go and hang on wait, I've got my guitar right learn this I know this C I know F and G who am I going to play it to and where do I go to play it yeah I'm not going to get any money for it. It's very sad. Very sad. If you want to see the the big names, you've got to go to an, an arena and pay stupid prices to sit half a mile away from the stage. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it could be any Tom Dick or Harry up there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm on my soapbox now. Uh, oh, no, well, I'm, I'm totally behind you. I'll be <laughs> screaming with you. <laughs> anyway, earlier on you mentioned uh, Colin Cooper, and uh, sadly he passed away in 2008. And it was his wish that the band continued, but how hard was that decision to carry on? Extremely difficult. It still is a little bit to today. I mean, because um, actually there's, there's only sort of uh, one sort of original guy left now anyway. Pete died a couple of years after Colin. Pete was living in Germany anyway, Peter Haycock was. Yes, it was uh, It was quite hard because one of the reasons as well was Colin was so distinctive. He had his distinctive voice. It was, you know, extremely low. I mean, the jobs he got, you know, uh, can you come and do a radio broadcast or can you become, because of the, the sound, his register of his voice was so low, a bit like Alexis Corner. Yeah, mean, yeah. You know, he crossed that same sort of, that same sort of, tone and, and there was I tell you what it, it was amazing for girls <laughs> talking to him they used to just stare at least like I used to put him in a trance <laughs> you know, it's some the vibrations of those low low frequencies that he carried you know in his voice so obviously to replace that tone was really hard and then to find that somebody could play sax as equally as good as Colin did was another it was really really difficult we did have a couple of 
a couple of years when we thought, nah, we won't bother, I don't let's bother. But at the end of the day, if you want to enjoy doing what you do, and we, we keep get, getting invites, you know, from different areas, then we thought, let's give it a spin. Yeah. And then we set on these guys like Chris, who's an absolute stunning player, the young guy, sax player, and the vocalist is doesn't sound like Colin, but he does equally a, a good a job for it in a different way, you know, uh, so yeah. I see it. And we, we've had to just progress or, or we just retire. Um, I'm certainly not ready for retirement just yet. A bit left in me. And, 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 and the other reason, I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fantastic. You know, it's it's like a drug music is for me. Anyway, it's it's in the veins, and that's it. And you I can, never get fed up of listening to it either. You know, it, but you can hear that enthusiasm on the songs on the latest album, Hands Up Time. These are people that are enjoying it. Was, yeah, was it an enjoyable experience? Were you excited to go back in the studio? Yes, of course we were. Yeah, and and we we did make a bit of a pact. We didn't totally stick to it a hundred percent but i would say probably 85 percent maybe we wouldn't spend uh, putting tracks down none of the old going back to the old days of doing 20 takes on one track and then mm. going back and then oh the snare drum let's do another one another drum track oh no no we said right okay we hit it three or four tracks and if it's not in those first three or four tracks the feel then we leave it as it is it's it's a lot of people like you know a big admirer of van morrison he always does that always yeah and I believe in that because you so you can just go so far sometimes. So yeah. when you record, as a general rule, do you all play together or is it separately? Yeah, definitely. No, all play together. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, really. At least the basic rhythm track, whether it be guitar, piano, bass and drums, with the guide vocal, always down, always down in one hit. Yeah. To make it sound like you're playing together. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've said this to other people, that sometimes when you're doing that, you can feed off each other and something comes out that wasn't there in the writing process. Yeah, that's dead right, that is, yeah. The, the happy uh, the happy moment or the lucky moment or whatever that is, you'll just pick on something and it'll just happen and it, and you think, good God, why don't we think about that in rehearsal? The great side of it, yeah. playing together as a team. Just like football, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying you've, you've got a couple of tracks still in the closet. Uh, so are you looking to the yeah. next album, or is that way down the line? Yes, yeah. One of the uh, things that we're looking back at the album that we wish we'd sort of pursued is definitely a couple of rock and roll tracks on there. Really, really up-tempo rock and roll in there and um so we we definitely the next album is going to have a couple of those on there yeah that's the plan like we said you, you're out gigging and touring and appearing at festivals and things like that so obviously your schedule won't allow for that at the moment well it, we are that busy to be honest with you gig wise i mean uh, you know we do as much as we we can um and none of us are getting any younger at least two or three in the band anyway no we're all, none of us are spring chickens having said that once you get on the stage it never you just you think you're 18 again oh yeah all, all it's, the only at, it's only after <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> disappear <laughs> best <Yeah>. remedy <laughs> you don't rest on your laurels you're always out there doing something it's not I, I'm, I'm gigging tonight actually with a, a resident band that we've had that you kept going for years a band called the Barflies which is a mix of um, a couple of guys out of the, the Neely and Tribute. So we play a Steely and stuff, but there's myself and Les from Climax, 
as drummers used to play for Demon. So it's all a little connection. And they just enjoy one another's company and, and, and play music, really. It's, that's all it's about. Um, all right, I don't care. I think me and you are on a similar wavelength, aren't we? I'd like to have a pint on the Well, it has been yeah. an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And uh, when you do work on the next album, do get in touch and we can uh, have a catch up. I, I appreciate that, Kev. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for letting us letting me spout off a bit as well. Uh, <laughs> Makes a change for <laughs> me doing it. Great to talk to you, and thank you very much. Not thank a you. problem. You take thanks care. Thanks for your time. Bye. All right. Cheers, Kev. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And, of course... If you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.